0: Welcome to the Backports Talk Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jason.
1: This your co-host, Danny.
0: And we have a fun show for you today, but we first have to start off with some sad, but yet celebratory news of a cultural icon, that being hammering Hank Aaron, who passed away at the age of 86 this morning. And let me just say, That Hank Aaron is a national treasure. In listening to a lot of people speak about him, he was definitely an icon uh, in the baseball world. But the things that he had to endure in not only chasing Babe Ruth's record, home run record, but ultimately surpassing it uh, have nothing but mad respect for Hank Aaron. Uh, His Statistics from a baseball perspective is out of this world. The fact that he is leading Major League Baseball record in RBIs at 2,297, 1,856 in extra base hits at 1,477. And then he ultimately ranks up there in hits at 3,771, which is third all-time. Games played at 3,298, which is third all-time and run scored 2174 which is fourth all-time that is just I mean a career like no other and so I don't know about you Danny um, but I have heard a lot of talk today about Hank Aaron and some you know have said you know where does he rank uh, in the all-time greats? things of that nature we recently did a podcast on the NBA about the 2017 NBA all-star game when black thought of the roots and they talked about the great Mm
1: -hmm.
0: from the 70s, 60s, 70s and on. Right.
1: Yep.
0: And at the very end of their presentation, the roots presentation, which was fantastic. Here's what black thought of the Roots said, who really is the greatest none of them are. In chasing ghosts of the past, we give birth to the present. True greatness is not comparison, it's evolution. Without each error, the game wouldn't be elevated to where it is today. Greatness is simplicity, style, superstar, power. Greatness is here and now. And I thought about that quote from Black Thought of the Roots and I thought about all the discussions that's been happening about Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, Babe Ruth, uh, Barry Bonds, a lot of the quote-unquote greats, right? And I thought about this quote by Black Thought and quite honestly, ma'am, he was a cultural icon, opening the doors for a lot of people, um, n- not only on the field, but even off the field. So I can't say who's the greatest in uh, in baseball history. Uh, what I will say is uh, thank you, uh, Mr. Aaron, for uh, doing what you have done for the culture. And uh, may you rest in peace.
1: Hank Aaron was a part of the team that won the World Series in Milwaukee, the Milwaukee Braves, before the Braves moved to Atlanta. Just think about that, 1957, how long ago that was, and Milwaukee has not won a World Series since. So him being a big part of that and being introduced to Milwaukee as he was coming up, like you said, and then going through the civil rights era and doing what he was doing, he was close to that record, all the scrutiny he went through. He was he was more than baseball. He paved the way for a lot of players and but he just did so much more than baseball.
0: Rest in peace, Hank Aaron. We recently did a podcast. A segment in our podcast was about the Negro League baseball and Major League Baseball recognizing those numbers Mm -hmm. of the Negro League, things of that nature, right? And Hank Aaron uh, played for the Indianapolis Clowns of the Negro League. I'm really wondering what they're going to do in, in terms of adding those numbers to his major league baseball uh, numbers. Mm-hmm. And the other thing about adding those numbers to major league baseball, it, it's, it's interesting because I, we don't know just how well or the statistics of each game really are. Even if you were, were to just Google Hank Aaron's uh, Negro League stats, he had a 366 batting average in, quote-unquote, 26 Negro League games with five home runs, 33 runs batted in, 41 hits, and nine stolen bases. Let me just say that, again, emphasis on official. I believe that Hank Aaron played more than 26 Negro League games, man. Come on, man. It's a little light. So I'm just wondering how they're going to really you know, handle that. We'll see. And we're going to talk about the NFL. This is Championship Sunday. Mm-hmm. Huge matchups between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers against the Green Bay Packers in Green Bay on the frozen of Lambeau Field. And then we have the Buffalo Bills and Bills Mafia against the Kansas City Chiefs, the defending Super Bowl champions in Kansas City. And, oh, boy, what a matchup both games are. Mm -hmm. And, um, man, this is going to be awesome Sunday, man. Both games are going to be good, starting off with the AFC. I believe that the Buffalo Bills are going to upset the Kansas City Chiefs. Buffalo, at this point, has nothing to lose. I think people have been sleeping on Buffalo. Kansas City has been playing very close games throughout the season. And I just feel that Buffalo is primed. Kansas City's defense is not the greatest. The offense is what really wins them the games, in my opinion. So I'm going with Buffalo. What say you about the AFC, Danny?
1: Kansas City's defense is not the greatest, and that is where Buffalo can exploit them. The key, though, for Kansas City, and I don't know how many times I have to listen to this on a telecast, is force Josh Allen to go left. It's like in basketball. If it's a righty, force him left. When he goes left, his completion percentages are down. And Mahomes' toe is an issue. So I don't know how that will impact his throwing ability, but Buffalo has all the momentum coming into this game, but I'm still going to ride with the Chiefs in a close encounter with the Buffalo Bills. Both these games are going to be tight. Uh, They're tough to predict, but I'm thinking Kansas City pulls it out based on their experience factor alone, where there may be a player or two at the end that, May put them over the top, but they haven't looked convincing in the last, I don't know, eight weeks. Mm-hmm. So they're just getting by by the skin of their teeth like last week against Cleveland. But I'm going with Kansas City, but I would definitely not be surprised at Buffalo beat them.
0: You're going with Kansas City. I'm going with Buffalo. What score are you predicting?
1: I am going with 34-28. Hmm.
0: Okay. I'm going 27-24. I think it's going to be a close one, ma'am.
1: Yeah, I agree with you.
0: So we'll see what happens. And now on to the NFC in where the forecast in Green Bay is going to be 29, about 29 degrees on Sunday. looks like about 60% chance of snow. I'm hearing two to four inches. Chances are it'll be be a little bit colder. So it's going to be real interesting how Tampa Bay deals with that. Don't know. Tampa Bay is going to fly in today, uh, which is Friday, which is you're shaking your head. No, Danny. So.
1: Sounds like they're flying in tomorrow, which is a mistake.
0: This is going to be a close game, man. I've been going back and forth on this one, quite honestly, because uh, I'm thinking about I I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to have a bad game here purely because he had a bad game against them uh, in Tampa Bay earlier this year Mm -hmm. with the three-headed monster uh, of a running game that the Packers have right now. That's just going to be really interesting to see how Tampa Bay – Will actually deal with that. I bet you you will see actually two of those running backs in at given time. I think that's a set that we have not seen this year by the uh, Packers. You okay. we'll always see one person in the back in the um backfield. Um, to mix it up, I can see maybe it's you know two running back set. I think on the offensive side for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, Brady's going to dink and dunk like he always does. But then, I think. He's going to actually throw a little bit down the field. The Packers' defense weakness is in the middle of the field. If you throw in the middle of the field, you're going to get a huge gain. And I think Brady's going to consistently do that throughout the game, successfully at that. So Mm -hmm. I think that Tampa Bay is going to move the ball actually quite well on his Packers' defense, um, especially in the middle of the field, exposing the secondary. Um, I can see the Packers possibly going into a nickel or a dime package, defensive package. I don't know, man. I just think that this is going to be a very close game. I'm not going to give a score because I don't know. I think it depends upon how much snow is really on the ground, quite honestly, because I think this is going to be one of those grind them out type of games. Mm -hmm. I see the Packers prevailing. I see the Packers winning, but only by like three points. I can only see see this being a two-point game and where – Earlier in the in the game, there may have been, like, a missed or extra point. So I'm giving it to the Packers, man. Go Pack, go. What about you, Danny?
1: A couple things that factor into my call here. Like you mentioned, Antonio Brown is out. Huge. And Vita Vieira, I think that's how you say his last name, the nose tackle, he has been ruled out. He hasn't played, I don't think, since week two or three. And they're thinking he might play this weekend. He's not playing. I do agree Aaron Rodgers is going to bounce back. He's not going to play like he did when they played Tampa Bay. Devontae Adams is going to bounce back. The key is, can they shut everyone else down? And this is where the Rams messed up last week by letting Lazard get that touchdown late in that game. So if they can contain everyone else and just let Aaron Rodgers and Devontae do what they do, Tampa Bay has a good chance at beating Green Bay. So that means contain the run, contain the MVS Lazard bombs that Aaron Rodgers throws out there, and contain Tanya. I'm pulling for Tampa Bay. I hate saying Green Bay's going to win because I I don't want that on my conscience, but I'm going to ride with Tampa Bay to pull the upset. Even though I know dang well Green Bay's more likely going to beat them because Tampa Bay bringing their tails up here on Saturday, as cold as all get out (laughs) up here in Wisconsin. They're enjoying those 80s and 85-degree weather. So that's where when we talked in our pre-production meeting, Couple days ago, it was if Tampa Bay is up here and getting acclimated to the weather, they would definitely have a good shot at winning. But now they're coming up on Saturday and that Hawk hit different up here in Wisconsin. All that being said, I'm pulling for Tampa Bay. It's
0: going to be interesting. Championship Sunday can't get any better. And now on to the NBA. Uh, The Milwaukee Bucks lost uh, on Martin Luther King Day against the New, uh, excuse me, the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, by two points, very close game. And then they played on Thursday evening against the Los Angeles Lakers and Milwaukee, and they lost uh, by seven. It's time for us to really have a, a discussion about the Milwaukee Bucks, especially since they have played two prestige teams. And I think this is a, a measuring stick in terms of where the Bucks are, especially in the midst of the turnover during the offseason. I think the Bucks are in trouble. I think the Bucs are in trouble. What these past two games have proven to me is that I don't know, man. Giannis has not improved this game. Giannis brings the ball up way too much. I believe that we need to get the ball in the hands of Milton and or Drew or DiVincenzo as starters. Let them bring the ball up and have Giannis off the ball a lot more. They keep putting Drew in the dunker spot. And it has it has worked. It's been successful, but just as that is successful, and yes, they have probably one of the best offens- offensive efficiency ratings and stuff like that in the league, okay. But we played some bogus teams too. Pistons three times. It, it, there you go. So how good really are those numbers? And I just think that Giannis bringing the ball up, the number of times he brings it up, man, it's just way too much. Mm-hmm. He has seven turnovers, if, if I'm not mistaken, in the first half. Uh, against the Los Angeles Lakers. Every time that I I looked at the TV and I saw him, with you know, having the ball in his hands, it was an offensive foul on his part or a charge on his part. They built the wall. It's the same thing over and over and over again. Same system, just different players. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. It's a slight modification to the system where now you're putting somebody in the dunker spot and you have, you know, the folks on the wings. It, it really sounds to me, it's eerie familiar to that of what the 76ers did last season and even the season before and where they would put Ben Simmons in a ducker spot because Ben Simmons couldn't shoot worth anything. I just think that the uh, that the Bucks have a huge problem here. Unless they fix that and get a little bit more movement in a half-court setting, we need to do something with Coach Bud. There needs to be a significant uh, adjustment to how we're playing and the scheme. I, don't, I haven't seen DJ Wilson in I don't know how long. Torrey Craig, player we got from what the Denver Nuggets, I think of a free agency. He hasn't played. I know he uh, had a bro- broken nose. I think that was his like, third broken nose, what have you. But he's been cleared to play for like about a week, and we have yet to see him. Maybe he's getting back in shape. Maybe we we just don't know. We have a huge problem with our bench, Danny. I'm looking at the game against the Lakers. The Nassas had two points. Bobby Portis had four points. DJ Augustine had four points. Connington had four points. And Forbes had two points. All for a whopping total. (laughs) (laughs) Of 16 points, man. DJ Wilson didn't play. Torrey Craig didn't play. I think we really have a big problem here, man. We have a huge problem, as a matter of fact. And I think it's something dealing with our bench or lack thereof. I don't know. I think maybe GM Horst panicked when that trade with Bogdanovich didn't go down. And he, he decided just to go ahead and get whomever he he could really get at that point in time. Because that was kind of like towards the it was the beginning of free agency, but it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the Bucks have a huge problem, man. I really do. And quite honestly, I don't see this team getting past the second round. They'll get into the second round, but they'll lose in the second round. Not unless a major trade happens uh in the middle of the season. Who I I don't even know who they would trade. I mean, you're not playing DJ Wilson or Tory Craig. Mm-hmm. You might as well package them up and, and go. Let them go. Or uh put in you may have to put in DiVincenzo at this point in time. We don't have any like pieces to really trade to get a quality quality player so we're stuck is this a shame because i think this is another wasted year by the bucks what say you danny
1: i guess the positive of all this is they only lost by two points to brooklyn which they should have actually won that game
0: yeah yeah
1: and then last night they lost by seven but it was closer than that and they're within two it was like less less than two minutes so they're right there it's just something's not right quick shout out though as i before i uh, forget to LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers. LeBron, for how old he is and all the mileage, man. Yeah. He was definitely the best player on the floor last night.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And he carried him. He played 38 minutes and he's been, they've been managing his minutes pretty well. Mm-hmm. LeBron looked good, man. He had a lot of big threes last night against the Bucks. So just want to give a quick shout out to the Lakers just and LeBron and the respect of LeBron. But back to the Bucks, man, I think it's this is where it goes back to Giannis needs that shot where he can pull mm-hmm. up. If they're fading on him, pull up in the lane with a little floater. Middleton does it all That's the time. time. Middleton all does time, it all man. the time. Yeah. That's what he needs
0: mm-hmm. because
1: if he goes to the line, it's shaky. Mm-hmm. And I know like last night, you could just see his body language at the line. He's not confident. And for him, as much as he goes down to the paint, if he's not confident at the line, it, it doesn't bode well, but I'm not as far down the panic road yet because I think they played these teams pretty tight. There needs to be adjustments. The one thing I will call out, though, Pat Connington's minutes. This is where DJ Wilson should be getting some of those minutes. So last night, if you watch the game or even against Brooklyn, Pat Connington getting switched on LeBron. He's getting switched on the AD. He's getting switched on to these bigger players Or if you have a DJ Wilson or someone with some length, it's not as disadvantage. Now, Connington's athletic is all get out, but he can't be going against these bigger players every night like this. So it puts yeah. them at a defensive and, disadvantage.
0: And, and to your point, Connington had 24 minutes, only four points, mm-hmm. Um probably because he had that defensive presence. So just wanted to make mention of that.
1: Yeah, so that's where I think that's where DJ Wilson would be key or someone with some height, if it's Craig or whomever, because they're getting put into defensive mismatches a lot. And teams are noticing that, and I noticed that these last two games. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter against the Pistons. That's a scrimmage. When you play against these, like you said, these benchmark teams where you can compare yourself, that was something I noticed on the defensive end that hurt them. But they kept switching, and then he had got mismatched a couple times where if you had a DJ Wilson in there, that, that would help him out. So I still think it's still early. They have time. I see, like I said, if they got blown out last night or blown out against Brooklyn, Definitely hitting the panic button, but right now, get Drew Holiday to facilitate. Get somebody out there to help on the defensive end. I think they they can write the ship.
0: And just just to add here, so the Bucks' upcoming schedule: they were supposed to play the Wizards today, but that's been postponed due to COVID. Uh, then they play the Hawks. To to your point, Danny, I just think that the Bucks. I gave it twenty games. I was giving them twenty games to yep. really work out the bugs here and everything they're at game number 15 but looking at their schedule upcoming again they have the Hawks on Sunday the 24th and then after that they're at Toronto uh, which is down in Tampa due to COVID um, at the Pelicans at Charlotte so I honestly believe uh, and I'm gonna say this these road games I think they're going to do a lot of uh, reevaluating. reevaluating. Uh, mm-hmm. at that point in time because this is going to be a very interesting stretch for them and it's going to be interesting to see if they do make those adjustments so we'll, we'll see what happens. I just don't understand why they're not playing Tory Craig who's about six, seven, six, eight, 7, yeah. 6, uh, in height. Could be a great defensive presence for them. Um, so <laughs> We have an interesting trading card scenario plus one scenarios <laughs> and this is very interesting Danny i have been mean, going back and forth on this one who we got
1: so in our first scenario Jason we
0: have Mike
1: Evans, receiver from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 2014 Panini Prism rookie card for Devontae Adams and his 2014 Panini Prism rookie card So, quick bios. Mike Evans was the seventh overall pick by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers out of Texas A&M in 2014. He has 532 receptions, 8,200-plus yards, and 61 touchdowns, and he's a three-time Pro Bowler. Devontae Adams was a second-round pick, 53rd overall by the Green Bay Packers in 2014 out of Fresno State. 546 receptions, 6,500-plus yards, 62 touchdowns. Four-time pro bowler, one-time all-pro.
0: Jason, who you got? This one's very difficult uh, because of how close in touchdowns these players are. Uh, As you have indicated, 62 for Devontae, 61 for Mike Evans. Mike Evans was in five more games than Devontae Adams. So I'm wondering with with how the rapport is with – Aaron Rodgers and Devontae, how well that really would have gone in terms of more touchdowns, et cetera. But then I thought, I thought about Mike Evans and who his quarterback was that being famous Jameis Winston And where in looking at Jameis's stats, when he was with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he never had a single digit interception season. Mm-hmm. His rookie season, he had 15 interceptions second year, 18, third year 11 fourth year 14 and that fifth year 30 interceptions and I was just thinking man if he would have given Mike Evans who is extremely tall man he is uh, for a receiver 6'5 as a receiver you might as well call him almost like a tight end Devontae Adams is 6'1 and so I thought about it even more from that standpoint but then I thought about Devontae Adams and what they have showcased a lot this season has been how defenders can't even get a hand on Devontae at the onset, at the line of scrimmage. He shakes them without even touching defenders at the line of scrimmage. That's huge, man. You know, And the fact that he's shaking them like that, and keep in mind, Devontae is not like the fastest receiver. Mm-hmm. He runs routes very well, and I've heard multiple receivers – who Have retired, say that Devontae Adams like usually runs like the best routes. Uh, so this one was difficult, man, because I looked, I mean, looking at the stats which you just provided, and I'm thinking about the quarterback situations both teams and both receivers have had. And it caused me to have a what if scenario for Mike Evans. What if he would have had a better quarterback throwing him the ball? But then I thought about honestly, man, I really thought about the season that Devontae Adams is having in the report that he has with Aaron Rodgers, man, he's had, he's, he has 18 touchdowns this season, mm-hmm. 18. And when you think about the number of touchdowns that Devontae has had each season. So rookie season. Okay. He's a rookie three touchdowns. Then he fell off with the uh one touchdown there. But then after that, it was like 12 touchdowns, 10 touchdowns, 13 touchdowns. Dipped down a little bit uh, last year, five touchdowns uh, due to injury. But 18 touchdowns this season, man, and he missed two games due to injury. And so when I think about that and when I think about he had, he is an all-pro, not just a pro bowler, mm-hmm. but an all-pro yep. as a receiver. With that, man, I'm going to have to go with Devontae Adams. Give me Devontae Adams all day because he is changing the game. I'm going to tell you why a lot of these young receivers are going to actually start looking at what Devontae Adams is doing at the line of scrimmage and where he's shaking them at the line of scrimmage. I think he's transcending the game and he's, and he's not the fastest, but he is a, a great route runner. So that's where I'm going with Danny Devontae Adams, what you got?
1: But looking at the cards themselves, those Paninis in this trading card scenario, I'm going to take Devontae Adams card. And the only reason I'm taking it is because I don't know what, Mike Evans, his quarterback situation is going to be after Tom Brady leaves. Does his trajectory tail off in the upcoming years due to quarterback play versus Devontae Adams is going to have Aaron Rodgers here to pad his stats? I'm gonna call it pad his stats. Come on,
0: man. Oh, they're gonna hate, man. But that, he has, but he, has Aaron, he
1: has Aaron Rodgers there. He has someone consistent to get him the ball versus Tampa I Bay. Like I, don't I don't know. I don't know what Tampa like this, Bay's though. gonna have.
0: At the same at the same token though. I mean, would you agree? Let me ask you this. Would you agree that Tampa Bay has a better receiving core, including tight end, than that of the Green Bay Packers? All day. And and so, the, and, that, and I think that's my point. And to your point, in terms of Aaron th- specifically targeting Devontae, he has no one else to target, too. I mean, he has, don't get me wrong, he has Lazard. He has um, Tanya. All right. Okay. All right. They are all right. He has Aaron Jones. They, 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 you made a point. They're they're just all uh, they're all right. Tom Brady has you know everybody else. My point in saying that is if they're on a one or five yard line or whatever, Aaron just has some all right receivers. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm gonna specifically target my go to because I'm gonna sco- score a touchdown versus that of Tampa Bay and where man I can throw it up from like. From 30, 40 yards, you know, throw it up to Mike Evans, who's 6'5, or throw it up to, you know, throw it to uh, Antonio Brown. I mean, they just have a much, Tampa Bay has a wide array of weapons.
1: I agree. I'm just saying, specifically but, you know, though, there were times where they should be running, you would think they run the ball, but it seemed like Aaron Rodgers, was like, man, F that, I'm throwing it because I'm yeah. trying to get my touchdown
0: record. I, hell, I would be trying to do that too. So then I look at, I, I mean, I numbers, just look at.
1: Mm-hmm. And they look inflated to me. That's what I'm saying. Oh, man. Based on that. Oh, the so the hate. next one is Stefan Diggs, 2015 Panini Prism Rookie Card for Tyreek Hill's 2016 Panini Prism Rookie Card. So quick bio, Steph Diggs, fifth round pick, 146 overall out of Maryland by the Minnesota Vikings, 492 receptions, 6,100 plus yards receiving. 38 touchdowns, and he's a one-time Pro Bowler and one-time All-Pro. And Tyreek Hill was out of West Alabama slash Oklahoma State in his collegiate career, was a fifth-round pick, 165th overall by the Kansas City Chiefs. 2016, 368 receiving uh, receptions, 5,300-plus yards receiving, 47 touchdowns, five-time Pro Bowler, three-time All-Pro, one Super Bowl, Jason. What you got? Mm-hmm.
0: This one was very difficult, man. I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm still trying to figure it out because as I look at Stefan days and yes, he started off with the Minnesota Vikings and we saw Stefan did quite a bit against the green Bay Packers. And every time we saw him against the green Bay Packers, he would always uh, do some damage against us. I look, I mean, looking at the numbers, uh, the thing that stands out to me with regards to Stefan Diggs is really just the number of receptions. So he started off with 52 as a rookie, 84, 64, then 102, drops down to 63, but then comes back with Buffalo with 127. 127. Mm-hmm. Uh, had a 1,000-yard seasons three times in his short career. I think this time last year when he had only 63 catches with Minnesota, I think that's when they were going through all the issues in the Minnesota Vikings locker room. Uh so I mean the fact that he had 127 catches this year, that's amazing. But then I look at Tyreek Hill and I look at his receptions, and he has never ever gotten to 100 receptions at all. Uh, 61, 75, 87, 58, 87 catches amounting to 368 uh, catches. So he has never reached 100 catches at all. Uh, but he is such a weapon on the field in where, man, his speed, the quickness, they don't call him Cheetah for nothing as a nickname, man. That, man, speed is very difficult to really uh scheme against and match up with uh but then you know obviously the super bowl major uh contributor to that and five-time pro bowler and i think he's part of like the all decades team so being a part of all of that man that that's going to really almost qualify you as a hall of famer let's just be real that that's really close to being hall of fame a hall of famer but in a sense, his credentials—I mean, his, excuse me—his stats doesn't really mean he's going to be a Hall of Famer. His credentials, yes. So, having said that, man, man, I'm still torn. I ain't gonna lie; this one's hard. I'm going with the upset on this one, man, because I don't know. I let my receivers to catch over a hundred times, man. I'm going with because I think Stephon Diggs is going to be a Hall of Famer too. I'm going with I'm going with Stephon Diggs, man. Who you got?
1: Tyreek Hill. I agree. You call out his receiving numbers, but if you look at his rushing, he get, he's a weapon on Kansas City's offense. Where he, he's not necessarily a I don't call a possession receiver, so to speak, but he's just a weapon. So wherever he is on the field, you see a little Mahomes handoff, like little flip passes, and they run reverses with him. He does. He did punt returns and kickoff returns for a little bit too, until they realized they want him getting hurt. Looking at this and then looking at Steph Diggs, and I think his trajectory is only going up with Josh Allen based on this year. The only thing I worry about with Steph Diggs is who else they bring in coming up that may eat into his reception total. Because John Brown was hurt a lot this year, and Gabe Davis is pretty good. Cole Beasley's all right. So do they specifically stay with the pass like they did this year? Because they didn't run the ball much. If you look at their running backs. So he was getting a ton of targets. The only thing I worry about with Tyreek Hill's card. Looking at the cards now, it's his off-the-field stuff, where that could devalue his card versus Steph Diggs doesn't have that particular off-the-field stuff. Tyreek Hill didn't have the off-the-field piece. I would definitely take him hands down from his card perspective. But since he has some stuff going on, and I never know with him, and I'm looking at the value of the card, Steph Diggs right now is projecting higher than Tyreek Hill, in my opinion, from a card perspective, just due to the off the field on the field tyree hill is a weapon like no other in the nfl in my opinion so i'd rather have him on my team i can get possession receivers not like steph diggs but someone close but you got Tyreek hill man he's tough so training car scenario i'm taking steph diggs card
0: okay all right there you have it thank you for joining us at that Ports talk podcast you can also join us on Twitter by tweeting us at back underscore podcast. For more information, you can go to our website, which is backportstalkpodcast.com. You can also email us at back porch talk podcast at gmail.com. Again, thank you for joining us and remember that there's enough hate in the world, so go ahead and spread a little love.